Good evening, and welcome to the High Horror Society. I'm your host this evening, Zach. Unfortunately, Kyle was unable to make it this week, but he is working hard on some brain tennis stuff, which is his music, uh, it's his band. It's pretty great stuff. So we always, and again, here on High Horror Society, we're all about indie artists and supporting them, do, supporting them and them doing the work they need to do. So we're happy that he's taking the time to take care of it, and we're excited to have him back next week. So this evening, we watched, well, actually, yesterday evening, I watched 2017's, another Shudder exclusive, mind you, 2017's Cold Skin. So, this movie was kind of, I never, I didn't hear about it, really. I Honestly, I found out about it when it came on Shudder. I watched the trailer, and I thought it looked pretty intriguing. Uh, if you have not seen the movie, again, be forewarned, just like all our reviews, it's going to be full of spoilers, so if you haven't watched Cold Skin yet or you just don't care, go ahead and, you know, keep... Li uh, I'm sorry. If you haven't watched Cold Skin yet, then uh, you might want to shut us off. If you don't care, go ahead and keep listening. But if you have seen it, come along for the ride. I'm going to talk a little bit about the film, talk a little bit about we're going to do our fun facts, and we'll do our, you know, credits and uh, all that fun stuff. So let's dive right in. So... 2017's Cold Skin, as I said, it is a Shudder exclusive, one of several that we've watched so far. I think we've watched Mandy and Terrified, and I think there were a couple others that were on there, um, but those were the two that definitely stand out in my mind. But uh, Cold Skin was directed by Xavier G uh, Gens, uh, who uh, did Frontiers, uh, he did Hitman, he did The Divide, he did the segment uh, X's for XXL in ABC's of Death. Uh, he did The Crucifixion, and uh, I didn't know this, but he was also the producer and the narrator for the 2010 French zombie film La Horde, or The Horde, uh, which I saw a couple years ago, which I really liked. One of the best parts about that movie, I remember, was when the, um, the zombies were attacking and everything. What they did was, in order to, like, when they got shot or got bit, they would just sniff a bunch of coke and, you know, to help fight through. So it was an interesting use of the drug to help kind of power through the zombie apocalypse so that was kind of funny um cold skin is produced by uh, uh a, a ton of people with dennis odell mark albella another De uh, i'm sorry denise odell mark obella dennis uh i'm not even going to begin to pronounce that uh, ped reg peg ped regosa and orlando pegregosca frederick bovis lucette legat anna soul poet and richard domingo so Big list of producers, a lot of money behind this. And the production value was pretty good. I will say that the film looked amazing and the special effects, everything was really well done. So well done to the producers. I hope you make your money back. Uh, this was written by Jesus Almo, who uh, did the screenplay for 28 Weeks Later, one of my favorite zombie movies. Um, also, uh, uh, Aaron uh, Sheehan did the screenplay as well. And then Albert, uh, Albert uh, Sanchez, uh, Pin Pinal. He did the novel. So Albert Sanchez Pinal, he did the novel of Cold Skin. And uh, there's some interesting facts about him a little bit down the way here. The music by Victor Reyes. Uh, Victor Reyes has been around, actually. Um, we're gonna, I guess we'll go ahead into the music right now. So Victor Reyes, he did Apartment 143, uh, Buried with Ryan Reynolds, the Grand Piano, The Night Manager, Red Lights, and uh, Down a Dark Hall. So he's done a couple of horror movies, um, including this one. And uh, yeah, I... I will say with the music, 
definitely was a strong point in this movie. It, it stood out, and uh, I thought it was great. The whole, uh, just the whole isolation aspect of it, I thought it really helped bring that out. And then, with, especially with the time period, the movie set in uh, 1914, um, so right around World War One, it's it's perfect. It fit in perfectly with the movie and the tone of the flick. So it was great. Good job, Victor. Um, Movie stars David Oakes, who uh, did he was uh, had a, roles in the series uh, Pillars of the Earth uh, and The White Queen and Victoria. Um, Aurora Garrido, uh, who did, was in Stockholm, as well as the television series El Oh Boy El Misterio del Tiempo. So something fast mysteries, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> My Spanish is not so great. Uh, Ray Stevenson, who did. Outpost, Punisher Warzone, Big Game, which is a movie we talked about. The gentleman who did Rare Exports did that movie, Big Game. So he was in this as well. He was also in The Other Guys. He was in the Divergent series. He was in the Thor movies. He was in the television show Rome, Dexter, Black Sails. He was also in Walking Dead. And uh, the children's television show Superhero Squad with all the Marvel little guys. They're little chubby guys with the big head, big arms and hands and stuff. Um, it's also starring uh, John Benefield, Ivan Gonzalez, uh, Winslow, I uh, I'm sorry, Winslow Iwaki, and then William Fratner. So kind of a small cast. There weren't, there wasn't a whole lot. It was uh, most of the movie was pretty isolated, and we'll we'll get into it a little bit, um, what why that is. But uh, basically, it takes place on a, a, a secluded island in a lighthouse, and monsters start to attack. But we'll get we'll get into it further. There's some pretty interesting things about the movie. Well, actually, let's just let's just jump right into the synopsis synopses or whatever we want to call it. Um, so as usual, I usually pick out two or three of these things. I'll read the shortest one first, and then I'll read this middle one, and then I'll read the longest one, all without trying to screw it up too bad. Uh, and I also want to point out High Horror Society shirt. Again, thank you, sister-in-law Kim. I love it. I'm going to try to wear it every podcast as long as it stays clean. So <laughs> either way, uh, here are the synopsis for uh, Cold Skin. <clears throat> I'm going to clear my throat a little bit. A young man who arrives in a, on a remote, ugh, let's just, let's just start over. A young man who arrives to a remote island finds himself trapped in a battle for his own life. Okay, very vague, doesn't give a whole lot away. Pretty much the essence of the movie right at its core in one sentence. Here's the next one. In 1914, a young man arrives at a remote island near the, Ar uh, the Arctic Circle to take post of a weather observer, only to find himself trapped in a watchtower besieged by deadly creatures which live in hiding on the island. That was pretty, that's pretty damn close. Now here's the big guy, and I'm going to try to get through this whole thing without screwing it up too bad. On the edge of the Arctic Circle, in the years after World War I, a steamship approaches a desolate island far from shipping lanes. On board is a young man on his way to assume the lonely post of weather observer to live in solitude for a year at the end of the world. But on shore he finds no trace of man, uh, um, but on shore he finds no trace of the man whom he was sent to replace. Just a deranged castaway who, is wit who has witnessed a horror he refuses to name. The rest is a forest. The rest is forest and deserted cabin. Rocks, silence, and the surrounding sea. And then night begins to fall. So again, very ominous. Um, some taglines for this. I was only able to find two, but hey, two is better than none. The first tagline is, "How much horror can the heart endure?" Okay. 
And then uh, the next one, we are never too far from those we hate, which definitely applies to this movie because there's a lot of closed quarters, solitude, but like relying on each other just because survival is, you know, it's a mutual survival sort of deal. So that's kind of what we, uh, the movie's about. And we're going, we'll get into it further. I know I've said that like six times already, so I'm going to apologize and try to stop saying that, but that's okay. So some fun facts. If I had cool little things to show you, there'd be a fun facts banner right at the bottom of this, your screen here, but I don't. I'm recording this on my phone, so I apologize. So again, as I said, Cold Skin is based on the debut novel by Spanish author El, uh, Albert Sanchez Pinol. Uh, he's, he has been described as a sufficient European writer. So. I guess that's great. You're sufficient. Uh, that's pretty awesome. He also wrote uh, El Bosque and Cametes and Le Origin de Catalina. So some interesting titles there. Uh, the novel uh, had some remarkable success with numerous reprints and translations. Uh, it's been translated into 37 languages, and uh, more than 150,000 copies were sold of its original edition. So, pretty successful novel. I had never heard of it. Um, I only found out about the novel after doing the research for the film, but hey, that doesn't mean it's any, not any good, right? <laughs> um, the, the little description about the novel and the movie, uh, it's a Lovecraftian tale of isolation and madness that has been in the works since 2009 when 30 Days a Night director David Slade was developing a script from uh, uh, developing a script by Alex and David Poster who did Carriers. Um, that was a cool little uh, horror movie a couple years ago. At some point, the creative team turned over uh, uh, and uh, Gaines, Xavier Gaines, ended up shooting the film uh, from, a, uh, the, from the script written by 28 Weeks Later scribe Jesus Almo. So pretty cool there. Again, uh, Jesus Almo, he did uh, 28 Weeks Later, which one of my favorite zombie movies. Um, not 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later, the sequel. Also, 28 Days Later is absolutely brilliant as well. Um, so, uh, uh, some in the early stages, uh, uh, Stellan Skarsgård was set to play Gunner, um, and while Elena, a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Anya was uh, set to play Anaris, who is the fish lady. <laughs> that they, uh, the fish lady. Oh, just oh man, I cannot wait to start talking about my what I thought about this movie. It is, <laughs> it's getting there. All right, so uh, the screen version of the book turned out to be very, uh, a very detailed uh, and accurate, uh, I'm sorry, the screen version of the book turned out to be very detailed and accurate down to the thoughts aloud of the protagonist. So they get in, really get into things in the book here. Um, the protagonist gives the girl the name Anaris, which is uh, the reverse spelling of the Spanish word Sierra, uh, Serena uh, or Siren in English. So it's kind of like the sea, Siren of the Sea sort of deal. Um, uh, the, the main character's name uh, is just Friend, um, so that's kind of interesting. Just kind of like, there's a whole, the whole scene's pretty much like, hmm, I'm going to call you Friend, and then that's just what the gentleman's known as the whole time. So you have Fish Lady, you have Gruner or Gunner or whatever, Grunner, and then you have Friend. So pretty, rounds out the cast pretty much there, and then all the fish demon monster things that come attacking at them. Um, Let's see, some other fun facts. The photograph that Friend finds uh, in the logbook uh, is uh, Mrs. Uh, Zegland. Uh, is has Mrs. Zegland written on the back, and uh, is the picture, uh, that picture of it, oh, that's interesting, is actually the girl who plays Anaris. So that's kind of a nice little uh, thing there. So she was fish lady for most of the movie, but in a little small picture, she got to play Mrs. Vigland. So that's kind of cool. 
Uh, David Oak's character uh, is never identified again. He's referred to as friend. I don't know why I read that. And then uh, the fish lady never talks. She just kind of like clicks and mumbles and stuff like that. Because like, why would you talk? You're a fish lady. Uh, the filming locations, it was filmed uh, on the Canary Islands uh, and then also in Iceland. So nice variety there. So let's talk about releases when this movie came out and a couple of different things. Uh, the movie, uh, the domestic release for it, so here in the U.S., was September 7th of 2018. It was a limited release uh, by Samuel Goldwyn Films. It was released as Cold Skin. This movie also had a bunch of different titles and stuff like that, all variations of the, the title Cold Skin. Um, international release was October 20th, 2017, so almost a whole year before our U.S. release. Um, and that was in Spain, December 1st uh, of 2017 in Russia. And then video release was 2016, uh, 2000, I'm sorry, Lord Almighty, <laughs> October 16th, 2018 for the video release. And that was released on Cold Skin. And then now it is a Shutter exclusive. So I'm not, I think you can get it off of Amazon Prime if you spend that cheddar. But I think for the most part, if you just have uh, uh, Shutter, you can watch it for free. That's how I watched it. I know they always have free months or two free months here and there, so it's definitely worth it. The movie was shot for $9.7 million, and the gross U.S. was uh, $752,000, so not that great in terms of the U.S. gross. But again, I'm not sure how that works with Shudder and things like that when you have it streaming. I'm not sure how that all equates into the, the actual money, but so far, $750,000 on U.S. on a $9 million budget. So at least in the U.S. they haven't made their money back. Um, let's see. I could have. I, I looked up to, to see this. This thing did play at a couple film festivals, but I wasn't able to find any awards that the film won. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but uh, it was in the Lestrange Film Festival on October 20th in Spain, which we talked about, and then the Fantasia Film Festival um, after that. Uh, again, we talked about the the soundtrack stuff, so we're gonna go ahead and skip over that. So let's talk about some oopsie-daisy. So there's actually only two that I was able to find online. I wasn't, I, I looked, I really did. It, uh, usually when you have these pieces like this, these like period pieces that take place, again, the movie took place in 1914. When you have these period sets, it's, you know, you always kind of look like, um, you know, when we, we were talking about a couple weeks ago when we watched Mandy, like the bookmark she was using was a dollar bill or a $20 bill or what have you, but it was a modern day dollar bill, not the, old ones from the 80s so these little things kind of happen sometimes and uh um, you know you always look for that in these films and i i was hard i could not find many things but uh, i'll read these two here and uh, you know obviously if you guys have seen the movie and you know of other oopsie daisies please let us know i love i love finding these stuff the, this stuff out the, the you know little continuity errors and things like that all play really well um, I just i since i love film and it's just great to see these uh, little things because you know what even the the best, most hardworking director and film crew, they're going to mess up something in that. It's not necessarily a terrible thing, but uh, anyway, I'm not going to get into it anymore. So uh, the protagonist, a British person, uses a Russian uh, military rifle, uh, which, we had, which he would have been unable to attain at the time. It may have been used as a stand-in for a similar-looking British rifle, uh, likely a choice to equip uh, someone in his position. So again, he was like a weather station guy. I'm not really sure what that all is. 
he basically was just set to like live on this island and didn't even necessarily say he was there to operate the light po uh, lighthouse, but he was the weather official. I have no idea what that means. Please forgive my ignorance, but it basically seems like a really lonely job and um, they never really got into like why he was running away from it or why he was doing it. The, the captain of the ship did ask and I don't really think he gave an answer. Um, probably just trying to find himself, honestly. But uh, either way, so it was used, they were using a Russian rifle in place of a British rifle. Small mistake, I had no idea. This one seems kind of nitpicky to me, but again, awesome. You know, this type of stuff is interesting. Um, let's see, when the creek or spring is seen for the first time, uh, the stream of water is just uh, beginning, I'm sorry, the stream of water that is supposed to have been there for hundreds or thousands of years is just beginning right then. So that's kind of an interesting little thing. So, uh, like I said, those were the only two things that we found. I can't, could, couldn't really find anything else about it. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, if, again, if you see any oopsies or you know of any, let me know. So, hit us up on social media. I would love to check them out. And I'll, when I rewatch the film, I'll make sure to watch out for them. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the critical reviews here. So the movie didn't do as great as some of the other movies that we've reviewed. Um, definitely not as bad as Ghost House, let me tell you. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, the film's currently sitting at a 48% uh, for a critic score. Audience score has it at a 61%. It has a 6.0 out of 10 on IMDb. And then uh, Metacritic, it said TBD, so to be determined. Um, Bloody Disgusting said, remarkably well-crafted despite a flawed script. It gave it a 3.5 out of 5. And IndieWire said, hints at Lovecraftian ambition that it never fully assumes for itself. Cold Skin is Gaines' best film to date, which I agree with. Um, if uh, you, if only, I'm sorry, if only just good enough to make you wish that it was better. Ooh, C plus on that one. So kind of harsh reviews. Uh, there are definitely some more negative ones. I don't, I try not to get into the negative ones because whenever I read negative reviews, it always just seems like the reviewer is just trying to sound really clever and it just kind of, I don't know, it pisses me off. It's a little nitpicky thing that I have, but I try to just read the positive ones. And um, But either way, so high horror society thoughts on cold skin. Well, let me tell you. So let me just give you another rundown of the movie. So basically the movie starts off with gentlemen coming to the island uh, to become the weather official. They get there, they can't find the guy he's supposed to replace, so he kind of just holds up shop in this little hut house that's there. He goes to the lighthouse and he sees the lighthouse is fortified. It's got spikes and bars and stuff on the windows. They, they enter the lighthouse to talk to the gentleman there and he was not very helpful to say the least. Uh, so anyway, uh, the gentleman, uh, the friend who uh, is staying in the cabin down the way, uh, spends his first night there. He goes through some of the belongings of the gentleman who was working the position there before. Um, he found out from the gunner who was, runner who was in the lighthouse that the guy died. And they go ahead and uh, just kind of, he's reading his uh, journal and that's where he finds a picture of the wife and everything. And uh, that's when the mermen attack. I guess that's what you would call them, the mermen. And then things kind of just go to shit from there. Um, so he escapes from that. He, the next night he tries to fight him off again. He ends up burning down his house and he has to take refuge in the lighthouse with this guy. He's not really a fan. Um, they, you can tell they have 
differing ideologies, uh, and they kind of just clash a lot. So be, they form this mutual relationship with each other based on, like I said earlier, survival. So you help me, I help you, we just kind of get through the night together. So during the day is basically when they fortify and they go do their hunting for food and they uh, you know, make sure they get water and everything like that and do whatever little things to pass the time. The one guy carves whale bones, there's a couple scenes where they play chess and whatnot. And uh, you know that's so that's what happens during the day, and then at night the fish attack. So um, that's pretty much the routine. The fish don't always attack, but they come and go, and so they're always at the ready to shut down the lighthouse, close, bar, you know, batten down the hatches, and go out there on the walkway with their rifles and guns and start killing up some fish guys. Um, let me talk about one other thing that's kind of crazy in this movie. So there is a lot of fish sex. Uh, and what I mean by that is human-on-fish action. So uh, the gentleman Grunner uh, has kind of like a pet fish that he, the girl, uh, the fish in the story, uh, he kind of, he explains that he found her when she was young. She was trapped in a net or something. And now he keeps her kind of like a dog, but a dog he fucks which is very weird. I was not expecting that. I had no idea that that's where this movie was going. I, it really kind of threw me off a little bit because the whole scene happens where the guy, the friend walks into the lighthouse and he kind of hears this moaning and groaning and he peeks up out of the hatch and there's Grunner going to town on Fish Lady. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, he closes the thing and they don't talk about it much. Um, so this continues and goes on and on. And then later on in the movie, there's a scene where Fish Lady and Friend are swimming in a little hot spring together and they tend to get a little close. They don't ever show what happens, but it gets, they're insinuating that he's fucking Fish Lady too. And um, I know, I don't know if this has anything to do with the popularity of uh, that uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro film, the, uh, the what is it, The Shape of Water, but uh, seems to be a lot of fish fucking going on these days. I don't know what it is. Definitely not a fetish that I understand or get, but hey, whatever floats your boat. You see what I did there? Floats your boat, sea movie, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, either way, so aside from the fish sex, uh, um, so the mermen attack every night and, uh, you know, so the, it just kind of goes and everything escalates from there. Every night the attacks get worse and worse and worse up until basically they run out of supplies and they have to go on a run basically through shipwrecks to get dynamite and other things that they, uh, mostly just the dynamite. And so they set up the dynamite after one really bad attack and, uh, um, and then that night kind of com comes to an end where or that night kind of is just crazy where they blow up a ton of fishmen and they both knock themselves out from the blast and they wake up and there's just bodies of fishmen littered and and then after that they decide the fishmen kind of they form this little truce with the one friend guy and uh, Gunner is definitely not a fan of it so he goes ahead and kills the little kid fish and uh, that kind of starts things off where Grunner and uh, Friend get into it, and uh, obviously it ends with Grunner dying, and Fish or Friend and Fish Lady can live happily ever after. But no, that's not what happens. Friend gets picked up by the next vessel that comes by, replacing him, and Fish Lady is seen swimming in the ocean. Right, so uh, that's kind of the little rundown of the film. So, like I said. Uh, let's just talk about some of the positive things first, I guess. So first and foremost, the movie was, it's beautifully shot. It's absolutely gorgeous. Every shot is 
really well done. The special effects are really good. The fishmen look really convincing and really cool. Um, I was kind of worried about that, uh, but they that turned out great. They, the special effects and makeup look great. The, the fish makeup looks amazing. The girl who played the fish lady did an amazing job. Again, she doesn't talk. She talks and clicks. The body language she used was great. Um, the, the grunner guy uh, is like, treats her like an abuse, do like a dog basically that he abuses. He hits her and yells at her and screams at her, throws her scraps on the floor and whatnot. And she does a really great job of like the cowering and fear and, and things like that. So I thought that performance was great. Uh, all the performances were really good, actually. Uh, Friend did a great job. Grunner did a great job as well. Um, I, you know, very you could you could sense the animosity and tension between the two main characters, and it really helped kind of sell it. And they, but it was so it was it was kind of a weird because you get this feeling of isolation, but then they're together at the same time. But you know that if this was like some other situation, that these two men would their paths would never cross. They were just they're just not the same person. They wouldn't roll with the same folks. I guess you would say. Uh, but uh, you know, as uh, uh, as life tends to do to you, it throws you some curveballs, and sometimes you have to deal with people that you're not really, you don't really like a whole lot. Um, and they they do that really well. You could tell there's this, in the very beginning, uh, you know, the you could tell that the friend is just trying to earn his keep, and that's the reason why Grunner is keeping him there. And then you kind of learn that Grunner's just really kind of just a really insecure guy uh, uh, and he uh, you know he doesn't want the friend to leave and you know he doesn't want fish lady to leave when she decides to take off and things like that so you find out he's really not this tough-hearted guy that wants to exterminate them all he's just afraid uh, that everyone's gonna leave him lonely um, it's revealed later on that he was the crazy guy uh, or he was the guy that was supposed to be replaced he stayed on the fish island. I am not sure why. Probably because he had fish lady there with him to keep him company. But uh, it turns out that you know his wife passed away, so that makes a little more sense why he would come to the island. And but doesn't make sense why he would go to bed with the fish lady. They even talk about that a little bit. The guy's like, "How could he do something so unnatural?" And then the guy ends up doing it later on anyway. Um, so aside from that, again, like I said, the, the music was fantastic. It really sold the, the whole feeling of isolation. Uh, and, uh, the, you know, when the attacks were coming, it was, you know, it, it fit right along with the, the style of the film. And, you know, the parts that were quiet and supposed to be isolated were done really well, too. And even the little romantic stuff between Fish Lady and Friend were, was done really well. Uh, so... Overall, I, I I would say aside from the fish stuff, the fish sex stuff, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's rare that you get one of these. It 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 does kind of turn into one of those we're trapped in with the monsters outside sort of deal. But it uh, it, it really it reminded me a lot of um, the novel uh, I Am Legend a little bit where. You know, they go out during the day, they fortify their home, and then at night the vampires attack. So it reminded me a lot of that, which is one of my favorite novels, uh, uh, short stories rather. Um, but the, it kind of reminded me a lot of that. And then, you know, the, the whole Lovecraftian aspect of it where this, there's this like race of fish people that have just existed and evolved separate from humans. And there are these humanoid fish mermen things was kind of cool too. I love that Lovecraftian horror. I'm really glad that we're seeing a lot more of this come about. You know, films like 
Mandy and the Endless and Banshee Chapter and uh, you know uh, In the Mouth of Madness of another you know John Carpenter movie, an amazing movie. Um, Cold Skin here. All these movies have these touch of Lovecraftian horror, that cosmic horror that uh, I just I love. You know, I can't get enough of that kind of stuff. So this sat well with me here. If you're into that kind of thing too, I think this will sit well with you as well. Again, aside from the fish stuff and the intimacy there, uh, I would say I really enjoyed this movie. I uh, I would probably. I would definitely say I would give this movie an 8 out of 10. Kyle, what do you think? Oh, 10 out of 10? Oh, well then. But yeah, uh, and all kidding aside, I, I really think this is a solid flick. 8 out of 10 for Zach here. Again, give it a check it out. I know it's on Amazon Prime for money. I, uh, it is a Shudder exclusive. If you have Shudder, go ahead and check it out. Uh, you won't be wasting your time. Again, if you like movies like uh, you know Night of the Living Dead, uh, any type of... Uh, you know, trapped in a monster. You know, La Horde, again, is another kind of one. They're trapped in the apartment building with the zombies. That's kind of like the overall theme, but it's really well done here, and it didn't seem cliche at all. And the actors do a really great job. And, uh, again, the body language of the fish lady really helps sell her role there, and you really, you really felt bad for her. You really saw her as this abused animal or creature that had that had something more to provide society um so yeah it was it was a really pretty good movie so again eight out of ten for zach uh probably 10 out of 10 for kyle i'll, I'll make him watch it and see what he says about it uh, and then we'll post his uh his review about it too uh but either way uh, check us out on social media, uh, High Horror Society uh, at uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, all the other stuff that you uh, you know waste your time with every day, like I do as well. Um, and yeah, go ahead and uh, you know give talk to us in the notes and uh, you know comment and tell us what you like. Tell us what movies you think we should do next. That would be fantastic. Um, I'm, I have a like a watch list that I go off of, and when I see new movies come up in on Shutter or Netflix or Amazon Prime, I go ahead and add them to the list. But if you guys have anything specific you want us to review, please let us know, especially if it's something I've never seen before, because I'm always looking for new content and things like that. So again, go check out Cold Skin, High Horror Society Review, 8 out of 10. Thanks, folks. Have a good night.